Welcome, welcome. There we go. Good to see everybody today. If you are new with us, I'm John, I'm lead pastor here, and I want to introduce you to Rick and Angel McGee. And so uh, let me just, some of you are wondering, like, why? Who are they? Well, I'm about to tell you. So uh, in the last few months, there's been a number of things that have been sort of adjusting. And one of those is that Pastor Christina is stepping into, she's chosen to step into a lay pastor role on our team. And part of what that means is that now there's a need in our senior leadership team for some pastoral strength and leadership goodness. And so over the last few months, I've been praying, God, I, I need for you to help me to uh, continue to have a team that can bring that godly leadership uh, into our church that's so needed. And so Rick McGee is joining our team this week as one of our pastors, as the director of Next Steps in our senior leadership team. So would you just take a moment and welcome Pastor Rick McGee. Amen. Amen. And Rick, together with his wife Angel, bring into our Centerpoint Church family uh, a, just a beautiful seasoned wisdom. Uh, because for the last couple of decades, they've been serving in local churches. Uh, uh, Rick was youth pastor at Rancho Community Church back in the day in the early 2000s. And then executive pastor at Newport Mesa Church and executive pastor at the Bridge Church. Um, not the one in, in Murrieta, but in uh, Rancho something rather. <laughs> but uh, it bringing that level of leadership and pastoral wisdom and strength to us, I believe is really just a gift from God to make Centerpoint better and stronger and all that God wants us to be. So I'm grateful. I, I love when God does this, allows our, our team to grow with people who are bringing God's goodness into the mix. And so uh, I want to ask Rick if you would just take a moment and just share a bit about what do you hope to see God do here through you in, in the mix at Centerpoint? Awesome, awesome. Well, first of all, I just want to say Pastor John and Pastor Ann, We've just grown to love you guys so much right out of the gate. Aren't they an amazing couple to lead ah, this church? Thanks, brother. Wow, wow. And, of course, my amazing wife, Angel, I've been married to for 26 years. And I'm so, we, we do life together. We do ministry together. And I'm so thankful for my wife. I always say I married so far up that I married an angel. So that's uh, Aha. pretty high up. <laughs> um, but, yes, we are so excited to be here. i tell you, one of the things I'm passionate about is connecting people to the life of the church through relationship through serving together, through having fun together, yeah. through experiencing God together. Amen. And so we are so excited to come on staff and to be a part of connecting people to the life of what God is doing in this church. Amen. I'm telling you, one of the things that makes me passionate already out of the gate is I've always wanted, you know, I've, I've been praying that God would lead us to a church that really reflects the community that it's in. Mm. And I look out across the audience right now, and you're the people that we would see in a coffee shop here in town, the people we'd see when we shop at Target. And <laughs> so I just, we are so excited to see what God is doing. But one of the things that we really sense in our heart is that there is a move of the Spirit that Amen. God is unleashing through this church and this community. Amen. And there is something Great, something good that God is doing, not only doing right now, but even next level stuff. Come and so on. we're we're just excited to step into that and see what the Spirit has to yeah. be at a church that really embraces all of the gifts of the Spirit. It's so Amen. exciting for us. So we're looking forward to it. We're going to fasten our seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. So church, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I, I'm asking you to receive Rick 
as one of your pastors from today forward. He's, you know, he's been ordained and commissioned in the Foursquare Church and the Assemblies of God. And we receive an honor uh, that that he carries from, from those different movements. But we receive him now as one of our pastors. And so I'm asking you to take a good look at this guy and just maybe take a deep breath and go, okay, God. Just do it like that. Just say, okay, God. Just try it with me. Just go look at him and go, okay, God. We'll take him. <laughs> we'll let him be one of our pastors. And what I mean by that is we'll let him meddle in our lives a little bit when need be. We'll let him provide leadership in our teams. We'll let him speak the word of God over us privately with counsel, publicly from here. We'll, we'll let him uh, bring the, the direction that a shepherd should sometimes bring. So just look at him one more time, and just now that you know what we're talking about, one more time, take that deep breath and say, okay, God. <laughs> okay, let's pray for Rick and Angel. Uh, God, thank you for this couple. And Lord, I thank you that you've brought Rick and Angel to Centerpoint. And I bless them, God, to be able to step into this ministry role as a couple and to provide godly leadership among us. And in particular, God, we together commission Rick to be one of our pastors. And from this moment forward, uh, to be a, a man of God among us as one who will lead and shepherd because you've called him to. So we commission him as one of our pastors and we receive him as one of our pastors. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and all together we say amen. Amen. Celebrate God's goodness. Love you guys. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise God. Praise God. Okay, so uh, I, I wanted to get into the scriptures today. We're going to jump in a moment into Luke chapter 24. And I was thinking about plans for the summer, and probably a lot of us are beginning to make some plans, maybe figuring out a road trip or two, something like that. And, and as I'm thinking about my plans for this summer, I'm hoping to not repeat this road trip thing that happened uh, a, uh, about a year, or it was a, uh, two years ago, rather. We were, uh, we were staying up in Bullhead City for some time on the Colorado River and having a good time, but we thought, you know what, we haven't ever been to one of those big lakes up there, the Lake Mojave, whatever, and so we decided we're going to get out on a boat on Lake Mojave. And uh, uh, I looked up on the website for Lake, Mo Lake Mojave, they had a marina where you can rent a boat for the day. And I thought, you know, that's awesome. We're going to rent a boat on Lake Mojave. It's 4th of July weekend. It's going to be great. And uh, we, we, uh, pat, we got up super early that next morning that we were going to do this on that Saturday. And we, we you know, made, you know, 10 sandwiches, enough for, you know, lunch and dinner out on that boat all day. And packed two cooler, coolers full of waters and drinks. And you know, I'm talking Coca-Colas, people, and, you know. <laughs> We don't do the river like many other people may do the river. I'm just saying. We, man, we packed the coolers and packed everything up. Picnic's ready. We got all the, all the things and we dragged it into the car and we drove. It's about an hour to get there from where we were staying. And, and uh, then there was a line of traffic to get into the park where this Mojave Lake is. And we get there and we were sitting in traffic even just to get in for like 45 minutes. This was not a good sign. We paid the 50-something bucks to get into the park because we're going to have a day on Lake Mojave. It's going to be amazing. We get to the, the marina and there's that, that store where, you, you know, you can buy some snacks or whatever and, and then, you know, get your boat rental. And there was a line snaking out the door into the parking lot. And I was thinking, man, that's a lot of people trying to buy some snacks. 
Yeah, except I waited in that line, and, 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 and right when we got to the counter, about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes later or something, uh, I got up to the counter. I'm like, okay, well, I, I've been waiting. I'm so glad I'm finally at this counter right now, and uh, we want to rent a motorboat for the day uh, for, 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 the, for Lake Mojave. And she looked at me, and she said, sir, have you seen the line? And I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, there's no boats left. That guy got the last one, and she pointed to him, and he was walking out the door looking all happy. And, and, and I'm like, well, you got to be kidding. I mean, we just waited like two and a half hours, and, and this is our big hurrah of our family trip. Like, no, right? No, no, no. You have to have an extra one somewhere. And she's like, no, sir, we don't have any boats available. And I'm like, wait a minute, not even, how about just like one of those old little like fishing rowboats? You know, I'll take one of those. We just want to get out on the water. She said, sir, did you not hear what I said? There's no boats available. And I was like, what? what, what yeah, hold on, but we, maybe, do you have like a canoe maybe? Like, She's like, sir, and she raised her voice at me. She's like, sir, there isn't an even a something rather kayak. <laughs> and, and man, I, I, I had to walk away from that counter and go find my family and say, hey, I'm, I'm really bummed and I'm sorry, but there's no boats. And there's like the collective, everyone in our family was like, ah, you know, that groan of disappointment. Everybody say disappointment. Disappointment, and there's all kinds of things that happen in our lives that, that cause us to have to wrestle with and experience disappointment. And, um, and, and some of them are the kind of things that you can look at a year or two later and go, ha, 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 remember that day when, when we were so disappointed? And, but some of them are much more severe than that. You know, they're, they're the kind of things that, that leave us feeling like the, the wind got just knocked out of us and it's stuck that way, right? And, and we need to be able to recognize that the Bible actually paints a picture for us of all kinds of moments where there is great victory and breakthrough, but also all kinds of moments where there isn't and there's a challenge for God's people to, to discover how to live in the tension, of disappointment and what to do about it when disappointment happens because of one thing or another. And so when I, when I think about God's word and, and, and that idea, uh, one of the places that I, 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 I'm drawn to is Luke 24. We're going to turn there in a moment. But this series, all of a sudden, is, is about the way in which sometimes God seems to take a long time to work in our lives all of a sudden. And uh, if you think about it, I mean, here's just a few ideas. Like from the scriptures, you can see that for a long time, the people of Israel were struggling with the Philistines. And, and, and for a long time, it was just tension and struggle and war with the Philistines until all of a sudden, God raised up a David who defeated Goliath. You think about the New Testament, and there's a woman who, for a long time, had an issue of blood that just never stopped, 12 years. And, and, and God was working for a long time in her life, but it was only all of a sudden, with this one touch from Jesus, that that circumstance changed. You think about Joseph in the Old Testament, and for a long time, he's in a prison, until all of a sudden... God worked in such a way that Pharaoh said, you're coming to the palace now. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and last week, the message that Pastor Donovan preached about, about Saul of Tarsus, and Saul was, 
persecuting the Christians for a long time, but also for a long time God was working in his life, but it wasn't until all of a sudden when he was on that road to Damascus that God changed him, and all of a sudden he became the apostle, Paul. And, and today there's another uh, road trip experience that happens, and it's uh, the road to Emmaus that we're looking at today. And God, in his ways of working suddenly, working all of a sudden, is what we're going to take a look at. So the setting is that it's Easter, uh, except that the people that we're going to read about didn't get the email that it was Easter. That's kind of the situation. Um, you know, the, the Easter morning moment is familiar to a lot of us because we have the completed Bible in our hands, and we can, we can look at it in the rearview mirror. And, and Easter morning in Luke 24, the way it goes is that uh, suddenly the body of Jesus was not in the tomb anymore, and suddenly there are angels that are describing the fact that he had risen just as he said, and uh, that's the moment of Easter that we all know, but not everybody who was a follower of Jesus knew about it right out of the gate on Easter Sunday morning. It took a while for news to travel, and a couple of the disciples in particular were still stuck with, he's dead, and, and, and a little bit of something that they had heard something about, but it wasn't fully in them yet. And so that's what's going on. We're going to jump into Luke 24, verse 13. This is God's word. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came. Everyone say suddenly. Yeah. As they talked, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. One of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. You know, this moment, you know what I love about this moment is how raw it is. And how unpolished it is. Like, you know, if I were maybe trying to write the Bible, I would want to make all of the people in the Bible look like they did it right all the time or something. But this is not what you see. In the Bible, it's, it's unpolished. And the other thing that jumps out at me here is the compassion of Jesus. Because you read the same phrase that I just did, right? It said that these two people, they had sadness written across their faces, I wonder if you can relate to what that's like. When you're living through a moment in your life where for whatever reason, sadness is written across your face and you can't really hide it. You, you might even try, but it just isn't, isn't gonna be hidden. And Jesus is able to come alongside people who have sadness written across their faces and walk with them even in the middle of that sadness. I want you to just see this, the compassion of your Savior Jesus who is able to see people who have sadness written across their faces and stand with them in the middle of that grief. Your Savior Jesus, who's able to see people who have sadness written across their faces and not demand of them instant, instant happiness, but instead to let them have their moment where there's some pain, where there's some grief, and to walk with them even in the middle of it. Aren't you grateful for the compassion of your Savior Jesus? You could just say amen. Amen. We're grateful for the compassion of Savior Jesus, who's able to see people who have sadness written across our faces and be with us in the middle of it. 
hear about it. Let us talk about it a little bit because maybe we need to. Ask us questions that draw it out from us even more rather than making us feel like we've got to pretend it's all okay. I'm so grateful for how Jesus modeled that and for how he does that for me and how he's willing to do that for you. And I see that compassion of Jesus and and I'm drawn to it. Verse 15, one more time. I want you to look at verse 15 with me. And in verse 15, I want you to read it out loud, actually. Ready? Go. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I want you to just imagine it. It's a pretty amazing little moment in the Bible because they don't recognize him, but Jesus is right there with them. I wonder if maybe we might need to have some room for that possibility in our own journey. That there are ways he's showing up in our lives, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the difficulty, and maybe we don't get it and we don't recognize it because he's coming in a way we weren't expecting, but he's there. But he's walking with them. That's what Jesus is able to do and willing to do. He's willing to come alongside people who are struggling and walk with them. I mean, just at face value, that's what I see here. I'm grateful for my Jesus, that he he sees me when I'm struggling, and he's willing to come alongside me and walk with me. He's willing to come and walk with you through the failure that you're still regretting. He's willing to come and walk with you through the grief that you're carrying even to this day because of his death, right? He's willing to walk with you in the middle of the letdown that you're just reeling from because it was so unexpected the way that thing all turned out. And can you just allow yourself to imagine that you're walking with the heaviness and the grief of it, but Jesus coming alongside of you and he's got a, a willingness to kind of put an arm around you and to, in a sense say, I'm here with you. And, and what else do you need to say about it? What else is on your heart because of this? I love the question Jesus asks. He says, what things? As in, say more about that. You're allowed. I can handle it. Talk to me about it. You're upset. Let it out. You're disappointed. Deal with it with me. Describe it to me. You're feeling pain. Process it with me. Isn't that good? Like That's who Jesus is. That's what he's like. That's what he's willing to do for those who are his Yeah, that's my Jesus. He's willing to walk with me. He's willing to be there for me in the middle of those things. Luke 24, 19, it goes on. He said, what? Again, Jesus said, what things? And and they said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Why don't you read verse 21 with me out loud. Ready? Go. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Just say the first three words of that verse with me. Say it. We had hoped. Doesn't that say it all? I mean, those three words are, are, are a poem in, in and of themselves, aren't they? We had hoped. And I'm, I'm guessing probably most of us could put a dot, dot, dot right there and then fill in the blank with 
our own stuff, couldn't we, right? We had hoped, and, and, and you fill in the blanks with outcomes that you, you really didn't want to be the way they are. A turn of events that you just didn't wish to have in the script the way it showed up, right? We had, we had hoped. I'm, I'll share one with you. Like for me personally, there's this moment, you know, this past year where I'm, I'm sitting with the doctor and he's saying, hey, look, you got, uh, here's the MRI and you got these tumors in your spinal cord. Wait, no, on my back? No, inside of the middle of your back, inside of, in your spinal cord. Okay, so first of all, we had hoped we would never have had to hear those words, right? I mean, seriously and honestly, we had hoped that I would never have had to have that appointment with that doctor. We had hoped to never hear those words. <laughs> I mean, I'll just start there. But, but then, you know, the doc's saying, hey, th this one, though, it has to go immediately. You're going to lose your mobility. You're going to lose your, oh, and he listed all these things I'm going to lose and I won't mention right now. But he's like, this got to go. This, is, this thing's the size of an olive. It's got to go. And immediately. And, and so a surgery was scheduled. We had hoped that we would never have had to schedule a surgery like that to open up a spinal cord. You don't ever want to have to sign up for that if you, if you can help it. Uh, we had hoped that that wouldn't happen. But, okay, so the doc said, but we're going to have another MRI. It's called a pre-op MRI. We're going to do that one on the Friday. Your surgery is going to be on the Monday. And, and I'm going, okay, then the, the, you're, what you're telling me is that there's a window of hope for me, you know, that, 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 that there can be a different outcome. And, and so uh, uh, Friday I'm, I'm going to have this pre-op MRI and, and, and I, had a, I had a lot of people praying for me, you know, that, that this outcome could be changed. And I mean, one brother, Pastor Will, went over to the city of Orange to that St. Joseph Hospital and, and marched around the hospital praying that for a, a change of God's victory in my body. He, he, he touched the corners of that hospital building with oil on my behalf, pleading for God to do something miraculous. He whipped out a chauffeur on the city of Orange and blew that thing at that hospital pleading for God to do a miracle for me. I mean, I, hey, you want brothers like that in your life. You do. And, and, and I, I, uh, I, I, I knew that was taking place. And I'm thinking, okay, Dr. Loudon's going to call me and be like, you know, I'm, I'm really bummed because I was looking forward to making the money, but we're not going to be able to do the surgery for you on Monday because <laughs> we got this new MRI. Uh, we had hoped that that might happen. Instead, what we got was the call from the lady saying, I just want to verify that you're going to be here Monday morning at 7 a.m. <laughs> we had hoped for a different outcome. What do, what do we do with that? You know, I think it's important for us to not gloss over these things. And I, believe me, you, you know me if you've been around Centerpoint for any length of time. I believe God for breakthrough and miracles. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also have to be able to be honest about the moments when we don't see that breakthrough and that miracle. And what do we do? What do we do with the disappointment? I'm, I'm not the only one who has to live with that kind of thing. And that's, it's not like as though that one time back in November, well, that's the one time, one, the one and only time I've ever had a, a moment of letdown, right? I mean, this is reality, that part of a, a, a real human life of faith is walking in the tension, the tension of the possibility of the power of God coming and changing absolutely everything, and also the tension of, of reality sometimes remaining with struggle and challenge and difficulty. And, 
And I need to be able to see that God is Lord. He, Jesus is Lord over it all. In ways that go beyond what I can really understand. And I, I love the line in the song we sang before where it said, in the middle of the mystery. As in the mystery of, I don't get it. I don't get it why you didn't do what Pastor Will prayed for. Hey, come on, Lord. He blew the shofar of all things. Like, come on. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there in a moment of, of disappointment. And it's because of this little formula. Expectations minus reality equals disappointment. I think probably a lot of us are familiar with that little formula because we've lived with it. And sometimes it's expectations plus reality equal surprise, delight, satisfaction. And yes, sometimes we experience that equation from our God. And I'm going to always ask for that, believe me. But then when it's this version, what do we do? What do we do with the disappointment? How do we handle it? How do we process it? What do we do about it? Well, first of, all, first of all, we don't ever let go of our God and our trust in his goodness. We don't let our experience of a temporal reality change our view of the eternal goodness of God. Because it, 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 is, it is crucial that we, that we retain our trust in the goodness of God. That's the fuel. I'm not maybe experiencing the, the goodness the way I wanted to in this moment, but that doesn't mean he isn't still thoroughly good. It might mean that there are things going on that I don't understand. It might mean that there's a view that goes beyond what I have in my human capacity and ability to perceive. And I have to be okay with that. This is part of the challenge of a legitimate, healthy spirituality, is allowing ourselves to exist with that tension. But to choose to praise him anyway, like we were singing about before, in the middle of the storm. It isn't over yet, I'm still going to praise you, right? And that's what we get the opportunity to do. So we've got disappointment. Sometimes our disappointment is, is with, with a friend, Sometimes our disappointment is with our boss or with our team members or sometimes our disappointment is uh, with our spouse or, or with our children or with our parents and sometimes our disappointment is even with God. What I see in what we've just read in the scriptures is there's an invitation to say so. I mean, do you recognize that that's what's taking place in this moment? You got a couple of disciples telling God about how they're disappointed with God. I mean, right? Isn't that what's going on at face value? Yeah, I mean, they don't know he's God, but that is what they're doing. They are telling God how they're disappointed with God. Like, that's, that's the moment. And what I see, and then Jesus doesn't shut them down quite out of the gate. He gives them an opportunity to talk about it. And and this is what I want to say. It's kind of a first phase of dealing with disappointment. And I don't mean that this is a formula, but I mean it's just an observation from the scriptures. When I'm dealing with disappointment, don't avoid it. Describe it. I mean, that's what Jesus invites the disciples to do. He literally asks them to keep talking. Like, let it out. In a sense, he's saying, let it out. Don't let it fester inside of you. Let it out. When you're dealing with disappointment, don't avoid it. Don't deny it. Describe it. Describe it in a journal. Describe it by going up to a hilltop by yourself and shouting, ah, 
I'm upset, God. How do I know that that could happen? I don't know. Maybe it's personal journey. Get in your car and drive and grab hold of the steering wheel and maybe pound on it, not on the horn, but on the steering wheel and say, God, why? It's okay. Like, let there be some room for that in your spiritual life. Because I see it. I see it here in this moment. Don't, don't avoid it. Describe it. Describe it in whatever ways you need to. Let it out. Otherwise, it's going to stay within and fester and, and corrupt your faith. So let it let it out. Let the, the disappointment be something that you describe. It's the first phase of dealing with it. Let me keep going, though. Verse 22, it said, these guys are talking, describing Easter, although they didn't quite get it, obviously. It says, yeah, then some women, remember, sadness written across their faces, right? That's still the, the situation. Yeah, some women from our group, the followers, were at his tomb in the morning. They came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and that... He'd seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive, and some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as those women had said. And then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly depicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures all the things concerning himself. These disciples in this moment were mouthing the right words, but with the, the wrong perspective. Did you catch it? I mean, in verse 24, they literally were saying the right words. Yep, his body wasn't in the tomb. I mean... Any other Easter moment, we'd be saying, hallelujah, right? They were mouthing the right words. Yep, his his body wasn't in the tomb. But they were still people with sadness written across their faces because their perception needed reframing. And what Jesus does in the moment, so first he makes space for their disappointment. He invites them to, to describe their disappointment. But notice this. Jesus, because he knows what we need as humans, does reach a point of saying, all right, you've described it, you've let it out, but now I can't let you just stay there permanently. Did you catch it? Because he shifts, and then he says, all right, (laughs) we need to do some reframing right now. And he does the reframing. It says he taught them about Messiah from the beginning of the Bible to the end, right? He gave them the big picture to change their perception, to give them an opportunity to reframe their understanding of what was taking place. And reframing is a spiritual discipline that we have to choose if we are going to work through disappointment and not be taken out by disappointment. We have to allow ourselves to grow in this spiritual discipline of reframing it. So the second phase of dealing with disappointment that I see from this scripture is, is don't d- dwell on it, but reframe it. I want you to just say this out loud with me. Say it. Don't dwell on it, but reframe it. Reframe it. Choose to hit the zoom button. You know, choose to see it differently. It's It's what needs to actually happen. So ask a reframing question. A good discipleship reframing question would be something like this. I wonder what else God could be doing in this thing. I mean, I know what I see, and it's awful. It's making me mad. It's a letdown. Yeah, I know what I see. But I wonder what else God could possibly be doing 
through this thing. Because that is always an option to ask that question and to, to think through it that way. Okay, so let me, let me give you an example. So here is a picture of, of me. And uh, it's a picture, it's a bit of a close-up, maybe obnoxiously close, sorry. But here's a picture of me. And, uh, I've, you know, you look at this picture and you can recognize some things. You can go, okay, mud on his face, dirty face, dirty, muddy face, and murky waters in the background. Like, this is not good. I mean, you can look at it that way. You could go, this is somebody who uh, who's, looks pretty grumpy and upset. And he's dirty and, and covered in slime and there's murky waters behind him. And, and you could see it that way, right? And I could, I could see things in my life that way. But when I, when I reframe, what, I, what I'm able to do is to zoom out. And if I zoom out on this picture, which I'm glad we can do now. I'm tired of seeing that much of a close-up. You can see it's a little different, isn't it? And the truth is that in the bigger picture, there's a lot more going on than just slimy mud on face and murky waters. In fact, the truth is, as I zoom out into the whole picture, I, I'm at the foot of a waterfall. And, and the even bigger picture than that, this was a trip I got to be on to go to Hawaii, you know? And so I'm in Hawaii, like the paradise place, right? I'm in Hawaii where I got to take a hike through a rainforest with some friends and come to the most beautiful waterfall I've, I've ever seen that I can remember, right? And, 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 and the reason why there's mud on my face is because we were having so much fun traipsing through that rainforest that I just couldn't even help it. Took some mud off the ground and rubbed it on my face because I felt like I was just going to have some serious fun out there. And I was swinging from vines and getting dirty. And then I got to the waterfall and I'm showering in the waterfall like, a, like in a, a scene from a movie. Like it was amazing. And, and you zoom out even more and you can see it's just epically beautiful. But, but zoom, when it was right up close, it was like mud, murky. But in the big picture, there was something glorious, really. In our lives, there are moments where undoubtedly, in the middle of it, it is murky, muddy, hard, difficult. But it's never all there is. And it is a spiritual discipline to zoom out, to reframe, and to choose to, to see the whole and to recognize, you know what, what's going on right now that's so disappointing and challenging and difficult is not the only thing there is. Like, I, I, like for, for example, when I, when I was dealing with the, the tumor surgery situation and there's, there's just no way in which I'm going to say that was a good thing. It was not. It was not a good thing. I will never accept somebody telling me it was a good thing. But there were a lot of good things that were also taking place in my life. Like, for example, my three children are healthy. Like, for example, my, my marriage is strong. Like, for example, I've got a community of people around me who love me. Like, for example, I, I can still pay the mortgage. Like, for example, I've got a decent truck to drive. Like, for example, and I could go on and on. And when I, when I choose to reframe and see the big picture, the whole picture, I recognize, yeah, that's murky and muddy right there. But isn't it all there is? And it's the trick of the devil to try to get me to think that's all there is. There, there's so much more. And if I zoom out even further than that, I'm going to see something absolutely glorious if I can take it in. But let me keep reading. Verse 28, it said, okay, so by this time, remember they were walking seven miles, and it's about the seventh mile now. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him. 
stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went with them home and he sat down to eat and he took the bread and he blessed it and then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. Suddenly. Everyone say suddenly. Yeah. All of a sudden, they saw differently. All of a sudden, just didn't look the same anymore at all. All of a sudden, their ability to see was changed. All of a sudden, they caught a glimpse of Jesus for who he really is and what he was really up to and what he was really doing. All of a sudden, moments like this matter. But what Jesus did here in this moment is profound. Because here's what he did. Jesus took them back to the communion table. That's what he did. He took them back to the, the, the Last Supper. He took them to that moment where he had taken the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. And what Jesus is doing here is he is allowing his own suffering to help them experience a drastic reframing. He is showing them that his suffering carried an eternally glorious purpose. <laughs> when he took that bread and broke it, he was taking them to the communion table where he said, this is my body broken for you. My suffering brought glory. My suffering wasn't without a touch from God. My suffering was actually something that in the biggest picture of them all brings the goodness of God to full fruition. And so Jesus is reframing for us that suffering, pain, disappointment, trials, struggles, they do something. They have the capacity to do something that goes beyond the immediacy of the moment of them. If we can take it in, if we can zoom out appropriately, if we can reframe it. But he's also inviting them to recognize the disappointment, the struggle, the sadness, the pain that they face, that we face, can be an opportunity for a hope fire to start burning inside of us. And this is, this is what I see as a kind of a third phase of, in this scripture passage anyway, of dealing with disappointment. And it's to, to let a hope fire burn within you despite what you see in front of you. Let a hope fire burn within you despite what you see in front of you. Because you get to. You get to be somebody who has a hope fire burning inside of you. You get to be somebody who, who has a hope fire burning inside of you because you understand who God is and that the end is not, it isn't done yet, right? You get to have hope. Any of us who are believers, we get to have hope until the day that we breathe our last and then we live in the fullness of the reality of hope for all eternity after that moment. And I want to invite you to be that kind of a person who lets a hope fire burn within you despite what you see in front of you. What I'm praying for and what I've been praying for this week for you is that that would happen. 
that you would be people who live in the miracle of maybe the, the moment isn't done yet and it's still the mud and the mess and the murkiness, but you, you get to have an igniting of a hope fire within you anyway. And what you're going to find is that the burning of that hope fire within you is going to be what fuels you to keep walking with Jesus all the way through to the seventh mile where you finally see him face to face. You know, okay, so 11 years ago, my dad died way too early in my life. Way too soon. Way too soon. It happened way too soon. I, I was not expecting him to die in his 60s. I thought he would be around forever, you know, at least for another couple decades or something. And he died. And, and like many of you have experienced, when you lose a loved one, it's painful and it's deeply disappointing. It's, it's upsetting. It's the great letdown. And so I, I remember just after his death feeling all of those things. And, and I couldn't make it go away. What I could do is reframe and remember the goodness and, and, and enjoy the, the memories and those kind of things. But I'm still wrestling with that, that disappointment of the loss. My dad, uh, he, he was a person who showed me, though, that you can live with disappointment and yet have a hope fire burning within you. Here's what I mean. My dad was paralyzed from the waist down. I only ever knew him that way. As a kid, when there was a, a pandemic in this country called polio, he got polio. And as a result, was paralyzed from the waist down, like a good number of people from his generation. And, and, and what I saw, though, in my dad was even though that letdown and that disappointment never went away, he, he was able to have a hope fire burning inside of him that he could find a way to, to be victorious anyway, despite the crutches and the leg braces and the wheelchairs and all of the people looking down on him and all of that stuff. And, and it, to me, he, he's a picture in the, my mind of what it's like to just live every single day in the middle of the mystery of the disappointment hadn't gone away, but yet hope fires burning inside of me and I'm rising up and making it happen, making something amazing happen. And I remember my dad, I would sometimes come out uh, in, the, in the patio in the morning, the, in, in the screened-in porch, and I would hear my dad out in the yard, and he would sit in the dirt, because that's all he could do. He'd sit in the dirt, and with a shovel, he would dig that dirt, do gardening, but I would hear him. I would hear him praying, and he was processing out with God all of the pain uh, and the struggle and the trial of living with his, this disability of being paralyzed, and, and he would just say it. Oh, God, I don't like being paralyzed. I would just hear him just processing out the pain. But I'd also hear him getting to a point of saying, but God, I believe you're going to give me an ability to succeed anyway. And that kind of thing. And I would just hear him praying and having that time with God, digging that dirt on those Saturday mornings. And, man, I, I saw in my dad a hope fire that carried him all his life. But let me just... Kind of, kind of wrap with this. After his death, my sister called me a couple months later. T 
two months-ish later, and, she's, and she called me in the morning. And she said, I just had the most crazy dream. And she was crying, and she had to tell me this dream. And she said, when I had this dream, she said, it was a dream about dad. And it was a dream that it, was, it felt like way more than a dream. It was like as though I was watching a movie screen right in front of my face, John. And she described this dream she had. And she said, in my dream, I was suddenly standing in the middle of this field where there was this trail coming from this hill and, and this glorious green field and this mountain, this hill, with this trail coming. And I saw dad come running down this trail. We had never in our lives seen our dad run. He couldn't. There was no ability. I saw dad running down this trail. And the closer he got, I saw that he had a, a racer's race number pinned to his shirt. And, and he was running. And his legs were strong and full of muscles. And he ran and he stopped when he saw him and he said, Ah, Christy, so good to see you. I love you. And she was trying to ask him some questions and he briefly answered a couple things, but then he pointed to his race number and his running shoes and his legs and smiled and said, I love you, but I gotta go. I'm in the middle of a race and took off running down the trail. Like, whoo! And this. You might say, well, it was just a, a nice little wishful thinking dream your sister had there. No. No, no, no. This was God depositing into her heart a picture of reality and a picture of eternal reality. That there is so much more than we could possibly imagine. That dream was like this little tiny like, glimpse th through the, 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 a hole in the wall of, of heaven for a second. Of like this amazing, amazing eternal reality of a redemption experience that will outweigh and turn on its head all of the disappointments we have ever felt and struggled with in this life. I believe my God for that. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if only for this life we have hope, man, you should feel sorry for us. It says, we, we are to be pitied like fools. But man, we have a hope that lasts for eternity. And I choose to let a hope fire burn within me, despite what I see in front of me. I want you to join me to make that statement. I choose to let a hope fire burn within me, despite what I see in front of me. And I do that because I believe that my God is good, thoroughly good. And it's not only for this 50 or 70 or 80 or 100 years that I have my hope. I have a hope that is going to carry into all eternity. So I choose to let a hope fire burn within me, despite what I see in front of me. I choose. Say, I choose. To let, a hope fire to let a hope fire burn within me, despite what I see in front of me. In Jesus' name. Now, th this, this scripture ends with this moment. In verse 20, uh, 32, it said, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. They had some, they had some hearts that were burning. And ultimately, this is the effect of a life with Jesus that we need the most. Is the effect of a fire being lit inside of us. 
a fire of hope in who our God really is, a fire of hope for, for what he can do if we would take in the vast expanse of eternity, a fire of hope for what is in the bigger picture even in our here and now lives, even though there's some mud and murkiness over here, there's some, so much radiant glory at every other turn. And, and so I'm prophesying over you right now. And I'm prophesying like Ezekiel did, right, where it's dry bones and he, God said, speak life to the bones. And I'm saying, in Jesus' name, I prophesy over you a hope fire burning within you despite what you see in front of you. You see lack in front of you. You see a diagnosis in front of you. You see a marriage difficulty in front of you. You see a prodigal daughter in front of you. You see a job falling apart in front of you. Guess what? You have the right to have a fire of hope burning inside of you despite what you see in front of you. You have a God who truly is for you. You have a God who truly loves you. You have a God who is thoroughly and entirely good and is good Goodness never stops. So stand to your feet for a moment right now. Stand to your feet. Would you just stand up for a moment? God, thank you for the gift of your hope. Lord, I pray that you would allow the hope fire to burn in us. Yeah. Yeah. Let the hope fire burn in us, God. Mm. I smell smoke. <laughs> Woo. Oh God, let a hope fire burn here. 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 I want you to just take a moment and put your hands on your own heart right now. Right on your own heart. Yeah, I'm not asking you to, to look out into how bad everything is and how much of a letdown that is and something else. Right now, I want you to have your hands on your heart and you just, you just say it with me. Oh God, let a hope fire burn here. Oh God, let a hope fire burn here. Take a deep breath and yell it out with me. Oh God, let a hope fire burn here. Oh God, let a hope fire burn here. Let that hope fire burn in me, God. Let that hope fire burn in me, God. Let that hope fire burn in me, God. Let that hope fire burn in us, God. God, I pray that you would cause that hope fire to grow in us and that it would become more and more what captures our attention. The possibility of your goodness suddenly entering the picture. The possibility of a, a suddenly where we see things differently the possibility of a suddenly where we recognize how you've been with us all along even though we didn't know it before. God, would you do some suddenlies in our lives? God, would you do some suddenlies in us? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, for somebody right now, the truth is, as you're standing here in this moment, what you need to do is you need to see Jesus for the first time. See him with his hands stretched out upon the cross. 
see him paying the price for your sin. See him giving up his life so that you could actually receive yours for real and for all eternity. Like see Jesus with the compassion in his eyes for you. Like right now, I'm, I'm praying that for somebody, you would have a spiritual wake up. And in this moment that you would be able to see Jesus. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, God so loved the world that whoever believes in him would receive eternal life and not perish. Whoever believes in him. And that whoever is meant to ultimately include you if you would turn to him in this moment. And so if you're standing here right now or if you're joining online right now and you would say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I don't know what I've been doing for so long, but I need to finally say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sin and save my life. If that's you right now, I want you to just raise your hand and look up at me with your hand raised. This is you finally saying yes to Jesus. Right in the back, and you in the back, I see you over here in the back. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you. I want to make sure I'm looking, and I want to see that you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Over in my right over here in the back, thank you. And if you're online, you just type into the comments, I am saying yes to Jesus today. And those of you with your hand raised right now, you need to say yes to Jesus personally. And so right now in this moment, I want to ask you to pray with me. And this is talking to God, and in this moment, you might just simply say something like this. You say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Just start right there. Just say it with me even. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I'm asking you to forgive my sin. I repent and turn from it now. And Jesus, I turn to you. Just say that to him. Jesus, I turn to you. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for me because you love me. Just say that with me. Jesus, I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Just say that last part again to Jesus. Say it, Jesus, I believe you love me. Say it with me. Jesus, I believe you love me. Every voice say it with me. Jesus, I believe you love me. <laughs> and those with your hand raised, you just say right now, so Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior from this moment on. Just say it to him with me. Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior from this moment on. Thank you for forgiveness and new life. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we honor you. God, let a hope fire burn here. God, let a hope fire burn God, I pray that you would allow this fire to keep burning. And so, in Jesus' name, I pray for a carrying grace for each one of us who's struggling with disappointment and still living in the tension. I pray for a carrying grace to carry us while we're in the middle of it, because we need that. And God, for others of us who, who have experienced right now a shift a suddenly with you, the, the, the circumstance still might be like that, but all of a sudden, things are different inside of us. God, I pray that you would provide a protecting miracle for that, that we could continue to walk in that, that it doesn't stay just a Sunday morning thing, but it's like a lasting miracle. And God, I pray for others of us who, it, we, we need, Lord, your breakthrough to come. Um, we're still gonna ask for it. We're gonna ask for it for our children. We're asking for it for our husband. We're asking for it for our wife. We're asking for it for our mom. 
We're asking for it for our, our, our marriage. We're asking for it for our business. We're asking, and we'll never stop believing, God, in your goodness. And because we believe in your goodness, we're asking for you to show yourself in these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.